Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome aboard the National Football Show. It's your boy Dan Cilio. Days away from the second week of the exhibition season in the NFL. Hope all are having a spectacular day, and you're not watching the news. You're here with us. This is like your happy hour of sports talk, football talk. Get away from all that stuff that's going on in mainstream media. This is what we talk about all the time here on the National Football Show. You know what that is? We talk about your civic pride, and we talk about your passions. And do we have a great week coming up? I'll tell you what, I can't believe the storylines that are going into this exhibition season. I mean, and you know what? There's storylines that are going to really kind of dictate going into the regular season and at least the first half of the season on how we're going to look at certain teams. Hard Knocks was on last night as well. One of the reasons why we're getting Wade Phillips on with us. He'll be in hour number two, the former head football coach of the Dallas Cowboys. We'll talk some Cowboys. We'll talk some Defense in the NFL, by the way, he has a very interesting comment about the Steelers and the Eagle defenses. I think he even made a comment to me as we were talking about defenses around the National Football League. There was a comment made by Sean McVay that McVay says, if I can't, I'm paraphrasing here, if I can't get Aaron Donald the Super Bowl, I mean, this is on me. So we'll talk to Wade. Wade was the defensive coordinator when Sean first got there to the Rams, and we'll talk to the former head football coach of the Dallas Cowboys, Wade Phillips. That'll be in hour number two. Let me start it out with this. And I saw some of the press conference from Nick Sirianni from the Philadelphia Eagles. And this week they've been scrimmaging the New England Patriots. And I know it's easy to rip a new guy for every single thing that he does. Back up. Relax. I actually thought the first week – We talked to Howard Eskin from WIP the other day. I thought Nick did a pretty good job with the football team. I didn't have a problem with the groupings that he had on the sidelines. I thought his football team did a nice job at knowing whether it was kickoff return, punt return. I thought the offenses really did a nice job when they were changing so many players. you got to remember something. There were, as of a few days ago, 90 guys that were sitting there on the sidelines, and you had to get some of the people in there so that you could take a look at them maybe for a last time before you ended up making a cut. Remember, they got one more cut coming up to get it down to 53. Then you got taxi squad or you've got an opportunity to take a look, you know, this next week here. And these next two weeks are really going to tell us a lot about how the construction of some of these rosters are going to be over these next two exhibition games. Some coaches have a different philosophy, play your guys a lot. 
Bill Belichick likes playing as many guys as he possibly can, but he also likes playing starters. And you see what's going on in San Francisco, and you see what's going on in Los Angeles with Sean McVay. They don't want to play any other young guys. So uh, a different approach. And again, I'm not really going to sit here and rip an approach or a method. That's what the media loves to do. They'll sit there and they'll they'll rip a method. I'm not going to rip a method. I rip results. You know, it's funny. We were talking just a couple minutes ago, mainstream media. Obviously, you know what's going on in Afghanistan right now. Okay, I'm not going to rip anybody's approach if you do things the right way. Well, he did it different. Okay, he came up with a different game plan, but it was the same result. End of the day, that's all I care about is results. I don't care how you got there. I don't care the things you have to do to get there. I care that you understand that this is about scoreboard, wins and losses, nothing else. So I heard Sirianni today making comments um, about being around Bill Belichick. I I, I absolutely love this. Look, I'll give you a for instance here. When Jimmy Johnson first came into the National Football League, along with Jerry Jones, um, I'll never forget this, too, because I was there in the building and I was there at Thousand Oaks for their very first training camp. The owner of the Cowboys' first training camp and Jimmy's first training camp. I can't tell you how many times Jimmy Johnson would call Buddy Ryan up or he would call any head coach uh, – Dan Gibbs, or uh, Joe Gibbs, excuse me, Dan Reeves, guys like that, just to get some formula on how to put a practice schedule professionally. A little different than putting a practice schedule together when you're a college guy. College, you have like these 85 guys you could just rifle in and out. You got to be very careful. Remember Chip Kelly with the Philadelphia Eagles? This guy still thought he had 85 guys on a scholarship. That's why by the end of the year, his defense was beat to hell. That guy destroyed a roster because he thought he was going to run 80 plays like he ran at Oregon. Everybody on the planet, I had a conversation with Seth Joyner before when he was the head coach of the Eagles. I said, this guy's not going to last seven games. He's going to wear that defense down like a pencil head. And sure enough, that's exactly what he did. And then he was ended up running out of Philadelphia because he didn't know how to manage and he didn't know how to execute a roster. He was still stuck in the college days. So again, the the comments that Sirianni made for the Eagles today, and I'm paraphrasing here, it's great to be around a guy like Belichick. Now, obviously, look, you're, you're focused on your team. But when you're scrimmaging against another coach and you see the process, on how they go about their business, how they preserve their veteran guys, how they go hard, how they don't go hard, how they go three quarters. I promise you, a great NFL head coach knows pacing. This is not a sprint. This is a marathon, an NFL season. Why would I beat all my guys up in training camp? So I don't get to September. Why would I do that? It's about pacing. I'll give you a great for instance as well here. I talked to Bill Walsh, and, you know, we've had Randy Cross on the program numerous times, three-time Super Bowl champion who covers college football, though. And I've asked him 
you know, what were your practices like under Bill Walsh as you guys got closer to the playoffs? He goes, I'll tell you this, Dan, from November to through the playoffs, I can't remember us ever being in full gear. You know, we were a veteran team by that time. We had won a couple Super Bowls, and Bill didn't see the reason for us to be beating on one another. Now, again, that came with the fact that they won so much. If you're winning so much, I'm not going to sit around and have full contact scrimmages with my guys. So Sirianni got a good test and a good taste of how Bill does practice. And they've been pretty much going back and forth. And I, I heard him saying, you know, it's just really great to be around him. You know, I'm obviously, you know, isolated on my guys. But that also shows you that Nick Sirianni's open to an interpretative what that practice schedule looks like, and he's going to compare it to his. Should I pull back here? Well, the veterans, do. The, does this guy need more? Does this grouping need more? Maybe we pull back here. That all goes in when you're preparing for an NFL season. And most importantly, that also goes in when you're picking a 53-man roster. Okay? Is this guy going to be the right guy here? Does he understand? You'll take a lesser guy sometimes. For numerous reasons, he's cheaper, which balances your cap, and I can move him around in multiple places, special teams. It's essential right now. That's pretty much what you're looking for right now. If you are an NFL head football coach, you're looking for special teams guys. You're looking for guys that have really, like, you know, have really, like, stood out. And you're going to try to find a spot for him because – like I told you before, not everybody could be first-rounders. Not everybody could be in a position where you can have all these high draft choices because back end of your salary cap is unbalanced. And before you know it, you get one injury and you're hosed. You can't fill a gap and go out and try to make a trade because you're squeezed against the salary cap. So I thought it was really cool hearing Nick Sirianni say that today. Yeah, I learned a little bit from watching how – Bill Belichick runs practice and he'll take some of that stuff. It's a copycat league. Like I said, and I thought that was a good thing. He's open to changing things. He's open to hearing things. So not sitting. I'm, I'm not ripping any coach right now. That's a brand new head football coach. Brandon Staley with the chargers, not ripping anybody. I got to see these guys in live games in games that matter in games that change. A standings. You know, when we're talking preseason here, yeah, you can get some of the things and you can get an ideology on what these guys want to try to execute each week. But once we get into the regular season, that's when we're talking timeouts. That's when we're talking about clock management. That's when we're talking about group settings. That's when we're talking about organizational things that are on the sidelines that are so imperative. Pre-snap penalties. You don't want any of that stuff. And that's a head coach's responsibility is to have a team prepared. All right, let's move on here. So I did watch a little bit of Hard Knocks last night with the Dallas Cowboys. And I'll tell you something that I came away with last night. And I really love this because I think it's probably the most important thing that I'll say about the Dallas Cowboys in the last 20 years. Are you ready? Not a lot of excitement there in that camp. And what I mean by that is there's not a lot of drama going on. Think about it. A couple of years ago, Ezekiel Elliott, remember the whole thing with the contract, you know, going to Cabo. Then you had, you know, 
Dak's contract. You know, you had Randy Gregory. You had the head coach. There, there was, like, drama in the room. So I'm watching that show last night, and I'm going, okay. They seem to be very high on C.D. Lamb. He's a better wide receiver than Amari Cooper. Unfortunately, Amari Cooper makes $20 million. So whatever you think about that, Amari Cooper's going to get the looks because of the money that he's been making. That's just the economical part of that. When you're paying somebody that kind of money, you're going to pay $20 million to a guy who's a two? Well, that's a failure on your part if that's the case. If C.D. Lamb ends up becoming the number one guy by the halfway mark of the NFL season for the Dallas Cowboys, Cowboys got a problem with Amari Cooper. What number two guy do you know is a $20 million a year guy? And you gave up a first-round draft choice for him. That's not something that you're looking at wanting to do. So that was a good thing because, in a way, you're talking about a kid who's starting to step up and step in. CeeDee Lamb, the kid out of Oklahoma, looks like he's a pretty good-looking football player. And he's probably going to take the number one seat in that Dallas Cowboys offense. He looks like a big-time playmaker guy. But again, the overall sense that I got from that camp was the fact that he there's no drama there. You know, the only guy that's bringing the drama to the table is really the owner. He's been the guy that has been making the most noise. But then again, Jerry Jones has been making the most noise for that Dallas Cowboy organization for the last 20 years. So that's okay, though. Let him make the noise. Let him deflect all that stuff. But again, at the end of the day, this is a good thing. Dude, look at all the teams that don't make a lot of noise. Watch this. You think Kansas City makes a lot of noise? Not really. You think Seattle? Seattle made kind of some noise this year, right? We'll see how that affects them. Tampa Bay brought everybody back. Hey, outside of Brady throwing the Lombardi trophy around, has there been noise there? Not really. Just a lot of fun stuff, right? We had Bruce Arians on the program. Remember what he said? He even dropped an S-bomb. You can go back and listen and watch that interview we did right here on the National Football Show with him. You know, he's like, that team, they won a Super Bowl. This team hasn't done you-know-what, right? That's kind of his philosophy. That's a great philosophy to have. And I'm glad to see that the Cowboys, there's not a lot of drama in the room with them. It's the first time in decades where you went like this. I don't know. This, where I'm going with this is this may be beneficial here to the Cowboys' success this year. They're not going to get in their own way. Barring any kind of injuries, maybe this is going to be a good thing here. All right. Jalen Rieger has absolutely stepped up for Sirianni, has he not? Let me say this to you here. Sometimes when a player goes down, and sometimes when a player gets an opportunity, he gets that chance to step in. And now you're seeing a player who had a poor year last year end up really stepping in, and one of the things that Sirianni said today was that this kid's really just making leaps and bounds from a year ago. And the only thing that Sirianni sees is from the game film from last year of how this guy's season was a year ago. I don't think he was very good last year. And now what I'm watching him doing this year, let me tell you what happens sometimes when you get a player that is drafted ahead of you 
and they're expecting that player to come in here. Why do you think the Eagles went out and drafted Devontae Smith? Because Jalen Rieger did not have a very good year last year. The Eagles were not going to count on him being a big play guy. They were not. They were not going to count on him. So they go out, and you know what happens this kid does? This kid sees that, knows that. Hey, my ass is on the line here. When you start drafting players at your position, the organization, the Eagles didn't have to tell. They didn't have, they didn't have to tell Jalen, hey, dude, you need to pick your game up here because we're going to start bringing guys in here now. We're kind of like rebooting here. Many NFL teams don't like to say like you're like, you know, rebuilding, but they are. And they're trying to rebuild that wide receiving core because the loss of uh, Jeffries, you know, Jackson, those guys are no longer there. So you're trying to find playmakers right now. And you're trying to circle which guys you want to go forward with, whether it's Jalen Ertz or not. That's not the issue. You've got to sit here as an organization and go. And by the way, let me tell you this. When you see this here and you got Jalen, you got Devontae, you got guys that are going to be able to move the sticks. You can't tell me you don't think if you're a potential free agent quarterback, you're going to take a look at that and say, they've got weapons there. And if I can get them the football, we'll move the, we'll move the sticks. We'll move the chains if I'm in Philly. So that's why that's important to develop, whether it's Jalen Hurts or not. And for the record, I'm still doing this. I know that when I was talking to Howard Eskin the other day, Howard was doing this. I don't know. We'll see. You know, he hasn't done anything that's going to be something that's not going to have him as a starting quarterback going into the first week of the NFL season. I agree 100%. My question is going to be, how do you look at him after week six? You might be in the race. You might not be in the race. The Eagles will know if they're in the NFC East race by week six. You'll know. You'll know by if the Giants got better. If Daniel Jones gets better. You don't know if he's not going to get better. Nobody, nobody thought that after Josh Allen's rookie season, you would have saw that leap. And remember, he gets Saquon Barkley back too. They've upgraded the offensive line. Their defense is not bad. The Giants are potentially a 500 football team. If they don't turn the ball over and they can get after people, the Giants are going to hover around 500. Washington is going to hover around 500. Are the Eagles? I don't know. Okay? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Okay? <laughs> My boy Xander said, hey, the Giants are a three-win team. Really? I don't think so. Okay? And by the way, so you take Jalen Hurts over Daniel Jones? Really? I think they're the same. I don't know. And what I mean by the same, are there question marks on them? I don't know. Who's got a better running game? Giants by far. Who's got a better defense? Giants by far. Who's got a better coaching staff? Um, I don't know. Who's got better special teams? The Giants do. We'll see. Because if you're saying that the Giants are a three-win team, you must have really high expectations that the Eagles are a six, seven. Potentially eight-win team? I don't see that yet. I got to see these guys get into some combat, and I got to see that defense for the Eagles first. Now, 
I'm hearing good things from the D- Eagle defense in what they're saying in camp. We'll see. I I, I want to see them once they get into some combat here. Okay? And I agree. Look, Cowboys, 25 years, they've done nothing. As a good Italian would say, they've done and got. However, he's the best quarterback in the division. I'm talking Dak. The best running back in the division is in New York, but he's second. The old line in Dallas is the best old line in the division. So they're going to move the sticks, and I would say this to you. The best wide receiving core is also in Dallas. Dallas's defense will be a massive issue. Isn't it funny? When you look at the NFC East right now, watch this. Eagle offense. I don't know. Eagle defense. It's probably worse than the offense. Washington, maybe the best front four in the division. The offensive line is not that bad. I know they lose Trent Williams a couple years ago. That was the dumbest thing on the planet. But then again, that's a dumbass organization. When you let Trent Williams go, one of the absolutely earth movers and one of the best offensive tackles and one of the best offensive linemen since Larry Allen, and you move that guy out of your room, there's a problem with you. That guy's now the highest paid tackle in the league. San Francisco made sure of that. Why do you think they went out and ended up doing this? They went out and ended up getting a quarterback in the third pick because they got the best tackle in the NFL. You solidified that position. Now you got yourself a quarterback, maybe at three. So where I'm going now is, you know, in, in, in that division, we'll see. Jalen Rager, maybe, maybe he goes in there and he does this. He pushes Devontae Smith. I'll tell you what, man, that's going to be a nice little combo there if Jalen can get him the football. And if he can, then we're talking a whole different ball game here. But we've got to see the first six weeks of the Philadelphia Eagles, okay? Because we don't really know what they are right now. Here, I'll give you, I'll give you a for instance on how every NFL coach looks at something and how they look at their football team respectively. Here. What, what, what are the Buccaneers? What do you think their identity is? Intermediate passing game, run the ball. I know everybody thinks because they've got Mike Evans and they've got Goodwin and they've got Gronkowski that that's how that football team moves the sticks. They move the sticks because they got an improved O-line. They run the ball. They're play action. They're third and short. After week seven, Brady stopped going plus 25. They did more of the intermediate passing game, which opened up the running game. And by the time they got to the playoffs, playoff Fournette was on on pace to be an absolute MVP for that football team in the postseason. You could make the argument the most important player for the Buccaneers stretch run as they got into the playoffs was indeed Leonard Fournette catching footballs out of the backfield. Remember something. This is a guy who caught 75 passes for the Jaguars the year previous at 1,200 rushing yards. This guy could catch the football at LSU. The Buccaneers won that football game against the Kansas City Chiefs because of why. They played defense. Todd Bowles was going after everybody. Knocked off Aaron Rodgers. Knocked off Drew Brees. Knocked off Patrick Mahomes. One of the best coaching jobs I've ever seen was by Todd Bowles last year. That's why he just signed a contract extension to stay in Tampa because he's going to be the heir apparent to Bruce Arians. 
Here's your next hit football coach for the Buccaneers. It's Todd Bowles. The Buccaneers are not going to let him leave like they did Mike Tomlin. Yeah. Mike Tomlin was on Tony Dungy's coaching staff, along with Lovey Smith, along with Herm Edwards. And the Buccaneers are not going to let talented people like that uh, exit their coaching staff. They, 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 they locked those guys down last time. Why do you think Monty Kiffin was in Tampa for all those years? Monty Kiffin was a defensive coordinator, and the Glazer family just didn't let him go. They let him go at the very end when his contract ran out, and he wanted out, and he went and helped his kid at Tennessee. So, here, let me do this to you. What's the identity of Seattle? I know what these teams are. Hey, Russell Wilson is going to make plays and keep the team in third and short, and they want to run the ball. That's a Pete Carroll mentality. That's why that Rashad Penny guy that they got out of San Diego State who has sucked so bad has been a major disappointment. For the Seattle Seahawks to be a contender, they have to run the ball. Wilson cannot do what he did a year ago. Remember, he got out to that hot start. And as we got into the second part of the season, he started fading. He started fading because he had so much on his back. They couldn't, he couldn't run the ball and throw the ball at the same time because they didn't have the personnel. But that's what they want to do. Here, in, in, in Green Bay, hey, Aaron Jones, they want to run the rock, man. Why do you think that was one of the major signs? It was like a 23rd-hour sign. Aaron Rodgers went to Mark Murphy, the president of the Packers, and said, dude, you can't let that guy leave. Our entire offense goes through Aaron Jones, man. So my point is, teams have identities. The Giants are trying to find theirs. Well, I think the Giants actually have one. They're going to run the ball. That offense is not going to go through Daniel Jones. That offense in New York is going to go through Barkley. In Washington, that offense is going to go through that offensive line. Same thing in Dallas. If Zeke Elliott has 1,300 yards rushing this year, okay, 1,300 yards rushing, the Dallas Cowboys will win 11 ballgames this year. Okay, they'll win 11 games. If you see a 60 yards a game effort from Barkley, you're going to, that football team won't win a lot of games. Okay, and you see a 60 yard effort from Zeke, that team won't win a lot of football games. They just won't win a lot of games. So, all right, let me go down here to this topic. Um, listen. DJ says Eagles O-line is top five in football. Absolutely not true. Top five? When you're moving guys around? You have really good football players, dude. But you don't have a fluid offensive line. You've been moving guys around like, 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 like these guys are in a dance routine. You can't keep shuffling guys, left tackle, offensive tackle, right tackle. That's not how that works. They're completely different techniques. Right guard is completely different than left guard. Right tackle is completely different than left tackle. I said this to you a couple days ago. This is one of the reasons why you don't have left-handed quarterbacks in the National Football League as your backup. Why do you think that is? In case your number one guy goes down, your entire construction of your football team is set up for a right-handed quarterback, which means my blind side 
is protected by the most expensive guy I have in my old line. If I have a left-handed guy, I'm facing this way. The least expensive guy is protecting my flank. You'd have to turn the entire team inside out. That's why when, when, when Bill Walsh went from Joe Montana to Steve Young, that was a massive change. You went from right-handed quarterback to left-handed quarterback. You had to change the entire offense upside down. Top five. Are you kidding me? Okay, I mean, listen, and I agree. Carlos, I agree. I think the I think the NFC East is up for grabs. I do think it's up for grabs. Okay, I do. You know there's going to be a team that is going to pop their head up in that division, and you're going to go, and I think it's Washington. Because... I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is going into this situation, and for the first time, this is his job. You know, there's no Tua behind him. You know, there's, this is like probably the best that he's had as an opportunity um, since he was in New York with the Jets. Since he was in New York with the Jets. All right, more of your comments. You want to hit up on them. Look, we'll see what the Eagles do. I, I, I just don't know who they are right now. They want to get the ball to Devontae Smith. So here's, here's, a, here's one more thing before we go to timeout here. The worst thing you can do is build your football team from the outside in. You build your team from the outside in, you'll be Matt Millen. How many wide receivers did that guy take as general manager? He never built the interior offensive line. You know, when Tom Coughlin built the Jaguars, you know who his number one uh, overall draft choice was? It was Tony Baselli. He started with a tackle because that's your formula. You build football teams from the inside out, not outside in. So you could get all the Devontae Smiths you want. You can get all the Jalen Waddles you want. You can go out and get all the Odell Beckhams you want. And you can have those guys outside on the perimeter. One, if you don't have a quarterback to get them the ball, it's useless. And if you have all that money invested, $20 million, say, or $15 million in a wideout, and you got another $35 million invested in a quarterback, but you have a $2 offensive line, what's the point? What's the point? That's why the Cowboys, when you look at them in that division, the Cowboys in that division have the best O-line. They're healthier. Now, their window is this year and maybe next year. you got to start retooling that thing. All those first and second round and third round draft choices that they put in that O-line – that's big-time commodities, man. So the Cowboys have the offense. They just don't have the unit. That's why I say Washington. If I had to look at balance, Washington's the team in the East. All right. Continue more of that. I do want to hit also on the Tebow haters. We'll do that next. You keep it here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day. As long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. 
Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Welcome back. National Football Show. Silly here. Wade Phillips, former head coach of the Dallas Cowboys and defensive coordinator with the Rams, will be in hour number two. Real quick here on what's going on in Afghanistan here. I got to say this. I'm going to compare it to football. Thank God one of those dudes that are running that campaign over in Afghanistan didn't coach me in football. It would be a train wreck. And everybody would know immediately. You know when you have a bad coach in the room. You know. When a coach doesn't have all of his ducks in a row, you know when a coach is not organized. I've had great ones, and I've had crappy ones. The best one, obviously, is the one that just went into the Hall of Fame, Jimmy Johnson. I've had other coaches where you just went, holy criminy. This is ridiculous. What are we doing here, man? You know, you, you know that guy you get into a game and he just completely overcoaches himself? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw shade at a guy that I love. Let me give it to you. Marty Schottenheimer was one of the absolutely greatest, greatest, okay? Greatest head coaches of all time. 
Marty was just so great. I think he had over 200 wins. Marty got into the postseason. I think he was 4-14. and 14. And we were all like this. Whew, wow. How could a guy with that kind of pedigree, and I think he only had one losing season in 21 years, but you get him in the postseason, Marty Schottenheimer may have been the worst postseason coach like of all time. And his record dictates it. He just overcoached everything. He overthought everything. The things you did during the regular season, you didn't do any of that when it came time to go and win games that mattered. See, to me, the great coaches, the great leaders, the things that you do on a daily basis becomes repetitious to the players that are on the field and to the coaches. So when you get on the field, it's seamless. Why do you think coaches go over the same play a billion times? Trap 31, trap 31, trap 31. You run it until you get it right. That's not why you run it. You run it until you remember it, until it becomes second nature. You know all the techniques and techniques and nuances. You can always tell. Like, I'll give you a guy that was just a crappy-ass coach. Remember that guy, Mike McCoy? He got the head coaching job with the Chargers. I show up to his practice. Let me tell you, this was ridiculous. I show up to his practice, and I'm watching his practice. And this guy did – they walked to every drill. There wasn't a sense of urgency at all. And I was like this. This is lazy camp, man. These guys walk to drills. These guys walk to their water. If you walk and do that and you're not practicing game tempo, when you get into a game, you'll be down 14 points. One of the most important things that when I was around a coach like Jimmy Johnson, we practiced. You know what the number one thing was that we practiced every single day and it was mandatory? Game tempo. We did every single thing. Drills and everything. Run in the water. One-on-one -on -one drills. Inside drill, nine on seven. Everything was game tempo. Why is that? So when I got to the game, the speed of the game wasn't overwhelming. How many times do you see teams start out 14 nothing in the hole? That's because those teams are not prepared to play game tempo all the time. That is so vital for a coach. Everything's got to have a pace to it. You can always tell when you've got a crappy coach. Trust me when I tell you, okay? You know, it's funny. I, I, I wrote some of the numbers down because people were talking a little bit about the NFC East here. I wrote some, some records down on how, by the way, you know, when, when people do this and they write records down and you're looking at schedules and stuff like that, I'm not even looking at the schedule. I'm looking at the roster because that's all I can dictate right now is the roster and who you have on it. I'm not, I, I don't go like this, like for the Giants or the Eagles or the Cowboys. I don't go, well, this is who Dallas is playing, and they'll lose this game, they'll lose it. That's dumb. You don't know what the issues are going to be on the Dallas Cowboys roster. The only thing that you can really look at is how you see the team that you're talking about right now and evaluating, how you see that football team's construction. Do you think they're constructed well? Personally, I think there's two winning teams in the NFC East. I think Washington's a 10 and seven football team. I think they have the best defense. And as I said, here, let's take a look at it. Also, 
They have the best coaching, too. Ron Rivera is the best head coach in the division. And I don't think it's close. There's nobody in that division that's a better coach than Ron Rivera. There's a stable, there's a stableness to Ron. Defensive-minded guy. He knows what he wants to do. The players respect him. He's a former player, was on that 85 Bears team. He's been a coordinator in the NFL forever. How is Ron Rivera not the best coach in the NFC East? I don't know. If you say anybody else, who? Mike McCarthy? Really? Judge? Sirianni? Incomplete. I'm not ripping Nick. I'm not ripping him. So I got this. I got the Washington team at 10 and 7. I think their offense is going to be improved. I think you're going to see Ryan Fitzpatrick be Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's going to be as hot as you can possibly get. I mean, this guy wants to prove a point. He really does. Do you know this guy's got almost, I think it's almost like 38,000 passing yards or something like that. This guy's got more career passing yards than Troy Aikman does. He's got more career passing yards than, than Phil Sims. It's crazy the numbers that he's put together for 17 years. I actually like the guy. I think he'd make a hell of a coach too one day. I got Dallas at 9-8. and eight. I think the Cowboys still have a lot to prove on their defensive side of the ball, and I don't care they fired Mike Nolan. It bring Dan Quinn in. Dan Quinn's defenses, outside of one year, the year they went to the Super Bowl, the Falcons' defenses sucked. They were down in the 20s, 17. That football team in Atlanta wasn't really losing games because of Matt Ryan. They were losing games because they weren't putting people on the defensive side of the ball that could win them games. I mean, Matt Ryan, if you look at his numbers a year ago, not that bad. I, I would look at it, and I know he's got a $68 million cap hit if he ended up getting moved. I understand all that. But if you move that guy, who are you, who are you replacing him with? And now you had Kyle Pitts, the kid from Florida? I don't know. I want to see what Atlanta does. Atlanta may actually have, because of what's happened in New Orleans, Atlanta may have an opportunity to be the second-best football team in that division. I know everybody's circling Carolina. But Matt Ryan's the second-best quarterback in the NFC South right now, is he not? I mean, Jameis Winston, are you so – I'm going to talk about Jameis here in a minute too, but Ryan's the second-best quarterback in the NFC South now that Breeze is retired. I got the Giants at 7-10. and 10. I think the Giants are going to run the ball. I think they're going to be decent again. Remember something. You know, I know you're looking at 7-10 and 10 and you're going, well, that's a horrible record. I'll get into the Giants here in a minute too. It's something that kind of is troubling about the Giants too. You know the Giants, here, I'll say it now. You know the Giants have not made the playoffs? Let me get this right here. The Giants have not made the playoffs, I believe, since 2016. That's the last time that the Giants have made the playoffs. It was 2016. Yeah, I think that's the number. I mean, damn, when are you going to start putting winning teams together in New York? Dave Gettleman got a vote of confidence from John Meyer, the owner of the Giants. So the New York Giants are okay with what's been going on, and we're talking about a 7-10 and 10 football team. I know, you know, Meyer was talking, you know, playoffs for that team. Playoffs? That team is not a playoff team yet. 
They still got to get a little better um, in the perimeter with their wide receivers. And let's see what Barkley does. Barkley's a good player. However, let's see him put it all together. Let's see that defense play like they did a year ago. Giants defense is not that bad. They just need some consistent play from that quarterback. And, you know, some people think they're a three-win team. If Daniel Jones walks backwards, they could be. Okay? If he if he regresses back the other way, well, we'll see. And he's got no excuses this year because it looks like Barkley's going to be ready to go in the first week of the NFL season. I got the Eagles at 6-11. and 11. I don't know. You tell me. Look, they've got the least experienced coach in the division. They've got the least experienced quarterback in the division. They have a reconstructed linebacking core. Secondary. They've upgraded the wideout position. Have they upgraded the running back position? You think they're going to be better there running the ball? Okay. Joey B says 2022 they end it. They get to the playoffs next year. I don't know if that saves Dave Gettleman's job then. I mean, let's see. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Boy, you're talking eight years that the New York Giants haven't made the playoffs if they don't make it this year, seven years. They haven't made the playoffs. That's a pretty big putt for Giant fans to sit around and go like this. Well, we've been sucking for almost a full decade. Jesus criminy. I mean, you know, losing Eli Manning, this this rebuild should not be going. The New York Yankees rebuilt after they ended up losing Mariano Rivera and they lost Derek Jeter. Have they won a series since? No, but they've rebuilt. And the Yankees have started rebuilding here now without them dudes. you got to start looking at the whole thing here now. I mean, seven, eight years? I don't know how Dave Gettleman saves his gig. All right. So just to keep score here, tell me if you think I'm wrong here. I'll respond. Washington, 10-7. and seven. Dallas, 9-8. and eight. I got the Giants at 7-10. and 10. I get the Eagles at 6-11. and 11. I mean, 6-11. and 11. And, and watch this. When you're talking about 6-11 and 11 teams, well, I'm hoping the quarterback's good. I'm hoping the coach is good. I'm hoping the reshuffling of the offensive line for the Eagles is good. I'm hoping the linebackers step up. I'm hoping the secondary steps up. I'm hoping Devontae gets through 17-game regular season. I hope there's a number two. What are you going to do with Jalen Ertz? Or, excuse me, what are you going to do with Zach, er- Zach Ertz? What are you going to do with him? Where are we going here? Are you going to play him week one? Is he going to be part of your offensive game plan? 12 million bucks there. 12 and a half million, actually. What are you doing with that position? How are you dealing with that? Are you making him part of the offensive game plan moving forward? I mean, if you've got a young quarterback, don't you try to put as many talented people as you possibly can around a guy like that and you don't worry about the cost? All right, let me throw this at you here about Tebow and all the haters out there and all the backlash. I heard people saying this. You know, he took a spot away from a player that could have potentially made his team, Urban Meyer. No, he didn't. 
No, he didn't. Because he was one of the first cuts in the NFL. He was one of the very first cuts. And I said this yesterday, and I'll say it again today to you. Personally, I think Tim Tebow's had a fabulous football career. There's nothing to be shamed in. He took a shot at trying to make an NFL roster. Was he ever going to make it as a tight end? No. We had numerous guys. Jeff Lagerman came on, who's part of the broadcast team, and he said this. Uh, he wasn't. But no, no, Joey, I'm not ripping him. I, I think now he gets to start his second life. Either it's broadcasting or he gets an opportunity to go and, you know, be a coach, maybe a politician. I think greater things are ahead for Tim Tebow. I don't know. I think Tebow's life has just begun. I think when you look at who he is right now and what he's accomplished, I think it's been fabulous. He's a great representative to his family. He's a great representative to the Florida Gator family. I think he's done all the right things. You know what? I'll tell you this, and I said this before about Tim Tebow. If it came out that there was something that was negative about the guy's past, you know, something that we always learn about somebody that somebody digs up, I'd, he's probably the only guy I would ever be disappointed in because of this canvas that he's printed of himself and this portrait that he's put out there of who he is. I would say this, man. Oh, yeah. Money and in preaching and in politics and in speeches. Can you imagine how much money you'd pay to have Tim Tebow come in and talk to your business as a motivational speaker? This guy's got great things. If Bill Clinton can get $300,000 per speech or whatever the number is, Tim Tebow's going to make some pretty good numbers when it comes to talking to corporations and businesses or even being a preacher. I could see him being one of those preachers, like a Billy Graham. That's just who he is. And by the way, it's not a rip, man. I don't know why people rip the guy. The guy's had a great career. I heard people say this, and somebody even put this in the um, the comment box. They said this, oh, silly, oh, it goes to race. No, because I heard Stephen A. Smith say this. Stephen A. Smith said that Tim Tebow had white privilege. And he was given that opportunity because he was white. I, I fired back and said, can you have any more of a racist comment than that? You undermine every single person that's a coach in this league and that's a general manager and player in this league when you make such a comment like that. So you really think that Mike Tomlin in Pittsburgh keeps more black guys on his roster because he's black? Or do you think that when a guy like Dennis Green was giving African-American coaches an opportunity to coach in the NFL, he was doing that because he was giving people an opportunity that other places weren't giving, the same way that Bruce Arians is giving women an opportunity to coach. Both Bruce Arians' coordinators are minorities. Bruce has one of the greatest coaching staffs I've ever seen, and in my opinion, it's the gold standard of how you want to build a roster and how you want to build a coaching staff. He hires the best people possible, no matter what their gender or no matter what their race is. Can't have anything better than that. Because you know why? When Bruce Arians looks at you, he hires you 
for who you are and your skill. That is so unbelievably uncommon today. You know, sometimes the most common things in life are the hardest things to accomplish in life. Nobody gave Tim Tebow that. Watch this. Did Tim Tebow get that job in Jacksonville because he was boys with Meyer? Absolutely. But it had nothing to do with him being white. Look look at that article that's online. I posted it at Dan Cilio's show. It, 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 it absolutely disgraces Mike Tomlin and all the black coaches that are in the league that are trying to move ahead without having – you know, you know, one of the greatest things in the world that's happened with the NFL is that, you know, you can no longer use the conversation any longer. Well, a team doesn't want a black quarterback or an African-American quarterback to be the face of the franchise. Well, you can't do that because let's take a look. Highest paid players in the league, Dak Prescott, um, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Oh, not Lamar, Deshaun, Deshaun Watson. You have Russell Wilson. These are all top five guys, pay scale-wise. Can't say that any longer. So we've gotten away from that conversation, which is wonderful. That's called progress. Now we need to get away from this kind of conversation. White privilege, that's just to get clicks. There, I have never been in a locker room. By the way, I'll tell you this. My experience in a locker room, seven professional years in a locker room, five years in college locker rooms, four years in high school locker rooms. Never have I been on a football team where we talked about black guys and white guys. We talked about team. We talked about rowing in the same direction. And you know what that looks like? To me, it's a team. There is no color. It's an absolute team. People don't get it. It's the greatest place. You know, that's why I, I think that's why society is a little bit upset sometimes with athletes when they say something. Because you know what happens? And by the way, this happens to me. You know, some of the things that have been posted on the internet about me, it's because you guys, some of the things that I said were in jest or what have you. You couldn't take it. Or you didn't want to take it, and you just wanted to throw a stone because you were never in those locker rooms. It's funny. Some of the things that I've said, every one of those guys called me and went, Big Sills. Hey, man, really? I talked to Jonathan Vilma. And Vilma goes, really? I go, no, man, you're my boy. You know, we're all good. Oh, don't tell anybody I said you're my boy because you know what somebody will say to that. We'll turn it into a wicked comment or a a wicked statement, and they don't know our personal relationship. (laughs) <laughs> crazy how people do that. But an NFL locker room or a college locker room, best place I've ever been outside of my family. You know, most people feel comfortable in their family. That's why I really don't go very many places because you know why? I'm in a comfort zone with my family because most people really can't handle truth. You know, they say this all the time about me. Controversial? I'm not controversial. I just talk the truth. And if that's controversial, I guess it is because most people don't like to hear the truth. Remember something. I always tell people this. Hey, you want to upset a conservative? You lie to them. You want to upset a liberal? Tell them the truth. And that's what happens. And that's where we are in our country right now. 
I mean, it's the truth. And when you say things like this, dude, Tim Tebow don't get that job because he's a he's a white guy. He got that job because he's boys with with Meyer. He got that job because he's boys with Meyer. It's the only reason he got that job. And get this, his best friend, Urban Meyer, cut him. His best friend, Urban Meyer, cut him. And he was one of the very first cuts, okay? He was one of the very first cuts that he had. So I look at that and I say, okay, so he told him the truth. Meyer had to make the cut. He had to make that cut. He made that cut because if he didn't, he was going to lose face inside that locker room. And he knew it, that he would lose face inside that locker room. All right. Let me throw this at you here also here. The latest with Deshaun Watson. Um, Deshaun Watson and the news with Watson right now, we're going to hear a little bit more as we get closer to um, the end of the week here, okay? We're going to hear a little more. From what I understand, he's playing third or fourth team. So to me, it looks like the NFL is going to probably put him on the NFL's either the pup list or they're going to put him on the commissioner's exempt list. He's not ready. They haven't given him any first team snaps. He's not playing this weekend. Um, I, I know teams have kind of stopped calling the Texans because they're waiting to see what the NFL is going to do. I also got this information from Rusty Harden. This is Deshaun Watson's attorney. Deshaun Watson has been talking to the FBI. And they've been talking to the FBI, not the NFL. There has been no NFL contact with Rusty Harden. I mean, do you find that weird? Now, what would FBI mean? Is Deshaun Watson being extorted? Why would the FBI be involved in a sexual harassment case or these sexual assault cases? What is the FBI being involved in that? Isn't that a local district attorney's job? I mean, it, th this has been the weirdest case I have ever seen. And, and remember something, this all comes off the heels 18 months ago, that the Texans gave him one of the highest paying salaries in the league. Where were, where were all these women and where were all these cases when this was, you know, being talked about when you're talking about making him the face of the franchise? And then all of a sudden, when he demands a trade, these cases start just unraveling. 22 people. But he hasn't talked to the he hasn't talked to the NFL. He's talked to the FBI. And again, I, I talked to an attorney the other day about that. And I said, so wait a minute, he's talking to the FBI? He goes, Yeah, really weird. You would think that the local district attorney and the local law enforcement officers and the Houston police would have him in and have numerous um interviews with him. And along with the women, the women are even commenting on how the National Football League has contacted the women, but not Deshaun Watson. So again, just to kind of put a bow on this here, 
the league has handled this really weird. We don't really know what completely is going on behind the scenes. I've said this from day one. I think the whole story is fishy. I really do. I think this whole story is really fishy on how this thing has been covered. Look at what the Texans are doing. You know, I saw him in a defensive backs jersey a couple days ago, like playing third-team cornerback. I'm like, what is he even doing out there? He has to show up because of the new collective bargaining agreement. Will it be fined $50,000 a day if he doesn't show up? That's the only reason that he's there. So I'm like, okay, well, what's the clarity? I mean, you're, you're, you're David Culley, the new head coach. You obviously know that you're going to be starting Tyrod Taylor now as you get ready and go into the upcoming season. And you got a guy like that that you're paying $38 million a year to, and you don't know the clarity of what this guy is or isn't able to do for you this coming season. I think it's really a weird story. And you're only talking to the FBI, and I'm talking to Sean's people, not the people that are filing charges against or these civil suits against Sean here. All right. I saw something else last night with hard knocks. By the way, hour two, we will talk to our friend Wade Phillips, the former defensive coordinator of the Rams and also head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Get his thoughts as you prepare for an upcoming season. If you have a young quarterback, how do you go about the exhibition season? Are exhibition games important? Or are these controlled scrimmages now starting to take the place of some of these exhibition games. That's all in the second hour. We'll do it next. You keep it here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life. Count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Welcome back. National Football Show, Dan Silio. friend of mine in Philly just texted me. He goes, hey, you see Embiid got 20 he, he He got a brand new contract. Yeah, I said he's missed 50% of his ball games. But you have to. Yeah, you, you have to give him that contract. Just saying, though, he's missed 50% of his ball games. I mean, that's a big investment, man. He's so talented, though. When he's on the floor, he's the best big man there is. The best five in the NBA. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm with him, man. You got you to give him the deal because he is that dude, dude, man. But just like up in San Francisco with Garoppolo, Garoppolo's miss, Garoppolo, if you count his playoffs, Jimmy Garoppolo is like 24, 25, and 8. He's a good player, man, but he's missed 53% of his football games as a starting quarterback in San Francisco. You know, do you, do, do, do you, here, I'll tell you something that's changed. And it's changed because, you know what, today people don't have that ability and that affordability to go, well, we're on a five-year plan here. You know, we're going we're gonna to build a football team. And fans don't have that. You're not going to pay $375 a ticket for a sorry-ass football team. I'm not doing that either, man. Think of that for a second. Okay, let's just use the number 400. You got a family of four, right? That's 16 bones, man. Going into a weekend at MetLife or at Lincoln Financial or Heinz Field. That's 1600 bucks. Parking's another 100 bucks. Programs. You want to get little Jimmy and little Sally a hat or something. You're over two grand. I haven't even got to the food. Beers in those parks, what are they, 20 bucks? <laughs> okay. And I know we're not drinking one. And you got someone else there with you. Maybe your wife wants a few. So you're talking another 100 bucks. Then the food, another 100 bucks. That's a $2,500 weekend. You think you're doing that for 10, 10 weeks, 2,500 bucks, and you got a sorry ass football team? Not me, man. I'm not buying season tickets like that. If they build it, they will come. Yeah, okay. That only works in the movies. If they build it, they will come. Not today. Not when ticket. Yeah, when ticket prices are twenty bucks, sure they'll do it. When ticket prices are four hundred dollars a shot, that new thing in Los Angeles, that SoFi. Do you know it's like four ten a ticket? Just for the decent seats, four ten. Who has the money and the disposable income during a time in a pandemic where you're going to spend that kind of money on a horrible team and say, yeah, you know, I love the Eagles, and that's why I'm going to spend $20,000 on a 
crap ass football. I'm not doing that. I got the red zone. And I'm going to sit here all day long while my team's getting blown out. And I could be watching like the NFL package. Forget it. By the way, just for the record, and so you know this, most most NFL, most NFL um football teams and the league itself, they don't really want you going to games all that much. They want you watching TV. They want the TV ratings. 97% of their operating budget comes from the television packages. I just got to know, do I want to be famous? I'm already famous. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, yeah. And hey, thank you, Ken. Great job, coach. No, not a coach. Just been around some great ones. And some crappy ones. Speaking of that, I watched a little bit of um, Hard Knocks last night. And Mike McCarthy, once again, is hollering and screaming again. And he's doing it for the television sets. No, like I said to you when I opened up the show here, you know, we'll talk to Wade Phillips. That'll be at the bottom of the hour. Former head coach of the Cowboys and defensive coordinator of the Rams. Mike McCarthy has really been exposed these last two years. He's really been exposed. Like, how about this? When you see Mike McCarthy today, watch this. And you go down the list of coaches in the NFL. Where do you put him? You think he's better than John Gruden? Personally, I think John Gruden is on the hot seat, even though he's a $100 million deal. Nine and 29? I don't know, John. That's not exactly, you know, the caravan you used to drive around and telling us how great you knew how to get quarterbacks to get the best out of them. I mean, I don't know. I don't really see it right now. 19 to 29? Man, it's John Gruden. I mean, here's another guy that was overpaid because of who he is and because he was on TV. Mark Davis, he, he, he hired John Gruden for a reason. You know what that was? Because of the transition from Oakland to Las Vegas. I'm not sure that he hired him for the opportunity to win a Super Bowl. Do you know that when... They had Jack Del Rio there. Jack Del Rio was actually doing a pretty decent job with that football team. John Gruden now has one pro bowler on that team. And when he took it over, they had seven. I don't know. They, they're, they're inching forward getting better. But I look at him and go, I don't know. So when you look at Mike McCarthy, I don't know. I, I look at it like this. Why did Jerry hire him? You know, supposedly he was this gigantic play caller guy in Green Bay. Kellen Moore calls the plays. So basically, the thing that was his strength has been taken away by the Cowboy front office. Remember, when Mike McCarthy went into Dallas, he didn't have control over who was being hired as assistant coaches. That's how Mike Nolan got in the room. Okay. So what does he do there as a coach? I personally think the Cowboys, now, this is going to be something that will always be debated because Jerry is Jerry, okay? And he doesn't want a strong personal guy in the room there to lead his players. He doesn't want the players not to go to him. This right here 
has been the fundamental issue. When Dak Prescott was talking about his issues with his contract or he had something personal, do you truly think he was going to Mike McCarthy or to Jason Garrett? He was going to the owner, Jerry Jones. That undermines everything you do in the locker room. Here, new head coach Nick Sirianni has, from what I've been told, has been given more say on the personnel when it comes to, you know, the coaches that are being brought in. You know why that is? Because they probably gave him a list of coaches that they're going to be okay with and the front office was okay with. You could pick from these guys. You're still setting the deck. This is what I was told on how Sirianni was able to build his coaching staff. You know, it's funny. You do this. Watch. Well, I, I, I picked my staff. In theory, he did. But Howie Roseman and the owner had a group. Okay, here are your five guys for wideout coach. Here are your five guys for O-line coach. Here are your 10 guys that you can pick from for your D-line coach. Because I heard that the other day. We were talking to our friend Howard Eskin. He goes, yeah, no, he's been given some control of what coaches that were brought in. I was like, really? Well, let me see if they did it the old school way where he picked from a list. So what I did was I talked to Frank Reich a little bit, and that's kind of how the Eagles do it. Yeah, you get a chance to pick from this group, though. Like, you're not bringing your buddies in. Like, you're not going to have what Jimmy did when he brought in all of his coaches in Dallas. Those, those were all – get this. There wasn't one coach on the Jimmy Johnson coaching staff that Jimmy didn't hire personally. There is not one coach on the New England Patriots coaching staff that wasn't hired by Bill Belichick himself. There is not one coach that wasn't hired by Pete Carroll in Seattle. And it was off no list. They were picking from people that they had comfortable relationships with. They were picking from people who had had success with them with. That's how they were doing it. So when you get a, a young coach like Suriani, who doesn't really have a lot of years as an assistant coach, I knew Nick when he was the wide receiver coach in San Diego when he was working with Frank there. And that's how I've got to become friends with him a little bit here. And he doesn't have a lot of experience. So the Eagles gave him a list of guys to pick from. That's why that coaching staff, and again, back to Mike McCarthy here, you don't really think Mike McCarthy was picking the coaching staff of his choice to sit there and say, yeah, here's the guy that I want as defense coordinator. Here's the guy that I want as offense coordinator. That's Jerry and Steven. Look at the news when, when, when MRIs are – being talked about in Dallas or just watch hard knocks last night. They put Mike McCarthy out in front just in figurehead alone stuff on being the coach. He's not really a head coach. He's, he's like a puppet guy for Jerry because Jerry's truly the head coach of that football team. He's always desired that that's been the flaw. The front office picks the coaching staff. The front office picks the players. Hell, the front office is involved in the game plan. You can't win a football game, and you surely can't win a championship from the owner's box. That's what's happened in Philly the last three years. 
That's what happens sometimes in Green Bay. Green Bay gets ahead of themselves. Coach, GM, and president. They don't have to answer to an owner. Those guys are all in that all, all in that conversation where they're all talking amongst themselves, and the coach is just a figurehead down there. Like Matt LaFleur, do you really think he's really that great a coach? And by the way, get this, he's 26-6 and six over the last two years with two straight AFC losses in the championship game. NFC, excuse me. Two straight NFC champion. And for the record right now, Aaron Rodgers is now one and four in those games too, NFC championship games. Okay? I mean, when you don't have autonomy over your staff and clearly over the Sunday game personnel, that's a hard one. That's how it unravels for Doug Peterson too in Philadelphia. All right. So Mike McCarthy, again, to put a bow on this, I don't know. I think this year, I don't, I don't, I don't believe he's on any hot seat because does it really matter who the coach is there? Man, if I was Jerry, I would hire Jimmy Johnson as a consultant. And I tried my damnedest to get one more Super Bowl before I take a knee. Because the current structure and how the Cowboys are operated, the Cowboys are very entertaining, but they're not a champ. When's the last time we saw a championship Dallas Cowboy roster? Maybe the game, you know, the game that they lost that, uh, I think it was a divisional game to the Packers at Lambeau. Remember the Des Bryant catch? That was probably with Romo. That was probably one of the best rosters that they have had and they had had in a long time. That team was good. That team could have went, and I don't know if they would have won a Super Bowl, but that team could have made some noise in the postseason. But that's the best team they've had in the last 26 years. That's scary, man. The current structure and the way they do business right now is just not going to cut it. All right. So I want to throw this at you here. What a wide receiver. You know, we were talking earlier um, about Jalen Rieger and what impact he's had on that Eagles wide receiving core and how, you know, now you put Devontae Smith when he gets healthy on the same football field with him. How is that offensive attack going to look? You're going to really kind of inspire each other. Well, this is what you're hearing now also in Titans camp. So A.J. Brown, who was on um, another network a couple days ago, was asked a question about Julio Jones. And he said this, and I got to remember something about A.J. Brown. I think if I'm not mistaken, I think he's got two consecutive years now where he's gone uh, 1,000 yards, if I'm not mistaken. He's a physical dude too, man. I really like that Titans team because I like Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel is one of my favorite coaches. He is, man. I just love the guy. And there's no coincidence. Get this. There's no coincidence, do you think? You got one of the better old lines. You got a beast of a running back who's as physical as it can get. Maybe the best stiff arm in the history of the league next to Jim Brown. And you got a wide receiver that knocks people out. A.J. Brown, man, you may not know a lot about him. Watch him play a game. That guy can play, dude. He's a good football player. Two straight years, 1,000 yards receiving. So he was asked a question about the impact of Julio Jones. By the way, you got to remember something here. He was also one of the guys that was petitioning the Titans to bring him in. said it was very important to bring him in. Um, we need another playmaker on the other side here for Ryan Tannehill. 
And he was asked the question, what is it like having Julio Jones in the locker room and on the field and in the huddle? He said he's been spectacular. I mean, I just sit and watch this guy, and he is so great with everybody on the football team. You know, another one of these Alabama guys, it's not about stats. It's not about anything else but winning. It's all about being physical. It's all about making sure everyone around you is better. You know, it's not a me, me, me mentality. You're not on a surfboard yourself. You know, you're more in a rowboat with everybody else, and you're rowing in that same direction because you know if you row in that same direction with the rowboat versus the surfboard, there's a better chance of you falling off that surfboard, isn't there? There's a higher probability of you falling off that surfboard than in that rowboat. And the teams with the rowboats win. They're the ones that win the championships. They're the ones that are consistent every year. They're the ones that are consistent every week. They're the ones that produce players every year when it comes to the draft because they have that systematic fundamental uh, fundamental that they know what it takes to win. So many times now you get guys, especially on the perimeter, hey, man, I just want my 14 touches or my 14 targets. You know, I get my six catches, seven catches, my 120 yards, and I'm good. Well, what about winning? Well, you know, I'm not paid for winning. I'm paid for stats. That's what's happened to that position. The wide receiver's not paid for winning games. He's paid for stats. The quarterback's paid for winning games. Players are paid. Offensive linemen, you're not paid for anything but winning. Being in the top 10 in rushing or passing. Most points scored. You know, those are team efforts. Those are team those are team incentives. Wide receiver, I get my seven. Okay. And Kent says, hey, can you imagine having Julio Jones on the other side of Devontae Smith in Philly? Wow. You put them two dudes in the same room, but now you put Julio Jones on the same football field with A.J. Brown? Bro, man. If I'm Derrick Henry, I'd do this. I got two wide receivers that can go get it, and now I got two wide receivers that are going to blow people up in the secondary. You better have some good corners and safeties because these guys do block in the run game. <laughs> Tell you this, that Titans team getting to the AFC Championship, I think they're a little bit lesser on defense than what they've been in the last three years. But don't go to sleep on that team. And don't go to sleep on this addition here. I bring this up because Julio's got something to prove here. And he's on a football team that can get to the AFC title game. You know why you can get to the AFC title game here? Okay, you can get to the AFC title game because you got Derrick Henry. All right. We're going to talk to our friend Wade Phillips, get his thoughts on all the things going on in the National Football League, the owner of a Super Bowl championship. He'll talk to us here, right here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. 
and keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Welcome back. National Football Show, Dan Cilio. We will connect with our friend Wade Phillips here in a second, talk to him about some of the things that are circling around the National Football League. Sean McVay made a very interesting comment about Aaron Donald, and I want to get his thoughts about Aaron Donald too. I had a conversation before with Krause about who the best defensive tackle was in the NFL, and I happen to like Fletcher Cox a lot. And Krause goes like this, dude, Donald's the best player in the league the best defensive tackle in the league. It's a different NFL today for sure. And and I'm seeing it through a different prism. So I'm going to talk to the guy who was his defensive coordinator and that's Wade and get his thoughts on it. Cause I say this to you about him. You play the position completely differently than you did back in the day. And like during my time, when we had the Jerome Browns and we had some of the best defensive tackles, like Randy white and guys like that were in the game. You know, there was an emphasis on defending the run. 
If you watch Aaron Donald, man, I see him out of position a lot. However, the game has changed a lot because you know why? It's it's kind of like baseball, and and I and I say this, and I'm going to make the analogy here to baseball. You know, back in the day, you know, the walk of shame used to be a big deal. If you had four strikeouts in a game and you were a baseball player, I mean, that was a that was the walk of shame. Nowadays, four strikeouts. Mike Trout consistently leads Major League Baseball in strikeouts every year, 130, 170, 180, but he hits 300. Hits 40 home runs, and he drives in 130 RBIs. It's all or nothing nowadays. So that's a different mentality, too. Striking out today in baseball, it's not a big deal. Back in the day, it was a different ball game. Two-to-one games were important, you know? Now you're winning games 7-6. It's more about offense. It's more about gaming. It's more about putting butts in the seats. It's more about excitement. That's the same thing with the NFL here. And so I want to get Wade's thoughts on that here. And Wade, a Super Bowl champion coach. He was the defensive coordinator of the Rams, also the head football coach of the Dallas Cowboys, longtime assistant. Joined us now here on the National Football Show. How you doing, Coach? Hey, Dan. Doing good. Doing well. Thanks. Coach, I want to start it out with Aaron Donald. And I'm going to make a comparison. And I want you to tell me I'm wrong here on this. And I want you to school me because when I was in the game, and we had players like Jerome Brown. We had Michael Carter. We had some really great defensive tackles that were in the game. There was more of an emphasis, Coach, on playing the run. You know, I was talking to Warren Sapp about this the other day. Every time I watch Aaron Donald play, guy runs around blocks. He gets tackles for losses. He, he gets enormous amount of sacks. That's not the way I was schooled, you know, to play. You had to play the run. Most of the defenses that you you were you were there with him. I mean, giving up five yards a carry, it's it doesn't seem today, coach, to be that big a deal than it was when when I was in the game, say back in the eighties and nineties. Am I wrong the way I'm looking at this? Well, there's different philosophies, you know, and and you know, I've always wanted want him to. Uh, there's a penetrating defense, and there's there's a, a read defense, and uh, I've always been for a penetrating defense because you may make some yards uh, on the run sometimes, but you're going to get them for a loss too. So, uh, and, and so Aaron and Aaron needs to be on a penetrating de- defense because he can penetrate and he can make those plays. And even if he, you know, the good thing about the great ones is if they, if they're not in the right place, they can get there quicker than the other guys can, you know, they can, uh, they can make errors, so to speak. They can rush the passer and play the run. Uh, some guys can't. And so uh, with a guy like him, you let him do that all the time. With J.J. White, we let him do that all the, all the time. With Reggie White, we let him do that all the time. With Bruce Smith, we let him do that all the time. So all the guys I've had that that were those kind of talents, I think you have to uh, – you know, the sack is obviously a, a big, big play in football. But uh, Aaron Donald gets – and and those guys I talked about also made plays in the running game for losses that that you know, make a difference too, and cause fumbles and those kind of things. You know, coach, it's funny you say that because I've had people say that to me about Junior Seau. Junior Seau completely destroy the structure of a defensive play, and yet he'll come from twenty yards behind after being completely out of the play, make the tackle for loss, get a fumble, 
And before you know it, this guy's made an impact play for you. And there's just certain guys like that. And so that's funny. And also, too, I think about the Jimmy Johnson defense that I played at the University of Miami. We were a one-gap technique guy. I played a three or a shade one, and I just hit the gaps. Jerome Brown and I just hit the gaps. We got sure. – we, we, we just – that's how Jimmy's 43 was really because he believes four defensive linemen, and if you can get those four, they'll control a football game for you. I don't care what you have on the offensive side. And then I went to Tampa with Ray Perkins, and it was a two-gap. And I'm like, what is this? I've never played two-gap in my life. And I'm just a slug for the linebackers here. So it's just a different philosophy today, isn't it? That's that's right. Well, there's there's still those two philosophies. And, and uh, you know, there's still teams that are playing a lot of two-gap stuff, especially in 3-4 stuff. Uh, and then there's teams that – all my 3-4 teams have been penetrating teams like, like you were in a 4-3. So uh, it just depends on the philosophy overall. But you can win either way. But uh, – I just think you make more plays, and I know, I know you get more pressures on the quarterback penetrating. Certainly, absolutely, Coach. Let me ask you this here too, Aaron Donald. How good is he, in your opinion? You've seen some of the greatest um, defensive linemen of all time, and some of the greatest. You've named some of the greatest guys that you've coached here. How good is this guy? Yeah, he's a. Well, I mean, you know, anybody that's going to be a Pro Bowler, uh, I mean, anybody that's going to be in the Hall of Fame, I'm talking about. Uh, is 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 a, is a you know a great great player. So he's obviously going to be a Hall of Fame player. So is he one of the greats that you've coached? Yeah, I named him with with a lot of those guys. I've, I've got more guys that I've coached. I coached uh, three of them with Houston Oilers, so uh, that are in the Hall of Fame. So uh, yeah, he he's that kind of player. And Von Miller, and I think uh, you know I had Von and I had. Uh, Marcus Ware, you know, who I think will probably go in next year. So uh, he's in that class where there aren't many guys in that class, but but he's certainly in that class. How good cool was Ray Childress? You know, I didn't coach Ray Childress. I thought he was a good player. I, I wouldn't um, – I don't know if he'd be a Hall of Fame player or not. I mean, that's up to somebody else, uh, you know. But, uh, but he was certainly a, uh, an impact player for his team. Coach, let me get into philosophy here when you're talking about exhibition football. We're seeing something different, Coach, and I think it's kind of evolved over the last couple of years, or maybe you've seen it for a little bit longer. These controlled scrimmages now, it looks like to me a lot of the defensive coordinators and offensive coordinators are getting more out of the controlled scrimmages because I'm seeing less of the younger guys playing in these exhibition games. I'm seeing more of the twos and threes playing to try to fill out the back end of your roster. And like, to, like this week, the Eagles were scrimmaging all week long against the Patriots. And, you know, there's no way, you know, Jalen Ertz is going to play a lot of football this weekend. They've already made that uh, very apparent, but he's been playing a lot in these controlled scrimmages. You think that's where you get more of your intel on whether you think this player can make your scheme or not is in these controlled scrimmages versus nowadays when we see these exhibition games? Well, the game the game is going to have more injuries. The control scrimmage is going to have less injuries. So that's the bottom line. Get your good players in the control scrimmage where they're not actually tackling, they're not actually, uh, you know, full speed hitting each other in certain situations. But they are going full speed, and but there's not that chance, more chance of injury. So you protect your really good players by as many scrimmages and 
and working with other teams as you can and don't play anybody in the in the preseason games. I got to throw this at you here. I had Randy Cross on a couple days ago, and I, I asked him how Bill Walsh handled his in-season and his uh, preseason. He goes, well, by November, we were just in helmets and shorts. And I'm thinking to myself, helmets and shorts? I'm doing inside drill with Ray Perkins, or I'm doing – I'm doing a full-out scrimmage with Jimmy Johnson on a Thursday, and yeah. you guys are in helmets and shorts. Is there a difference, Coach, when you have a veteran uh, roster versus, say, a younger roster? Because Jimmy's football teams were always young. Bill's teams were a little bit older. You know, more veteran guys were on the football team. Obviously, salary cap plays a definite, um, you know, has a definite impact nowadays than, say, back then. But it, it, did you have a difference in how you handled your rosters when you were a head coach as you were preparing for the exhibition season and regular season? Yeah, sure. We didn't play our good players in the preseason. And uh, <laughs> and then, yeah, later in the season, and certain guys, I mean, older guys, quote, older guys in their 30s, uh, uh, you might not practice them, but every practice, especially if they're good players, you know, and they don't need every practice. Uh, you're always looking at individuals and, to see where they are. And, and, you know, some guys need, need some young guys need to practice a lot more than an older guy. And it, it's individual cases uh, on how you do your practices, really. Coach, there's a story going on in New England and there's a story going on in Chicago right now. Mac Jones has closed the gap, it seems, on Cam Newton there. And you're hearing great things from Matt Nagy in Chicago when it comes to Justin Fields. How do you go about implementing a rookie player knowing that you've got an Andy Dalton who's won a lot of games? He's won a lot of games. If you look right. his resume up, he wasn't that bad in Cincinnati at all. I mean, he won a lot of games. And you've got Cam Newton potentially going to play a little bit better this year because he's more comfortable with the offense. Um, all the numerous things that you get with a veteran in the system for the second year. How would you handle that, Coach, when it came to a young player – and a draft choice that you took in the first round. Are you trying to get that kid on the field immediately as possible, or do you want to see the veteran start the year? How, how would you handle that? Yeah, it, of course, each situation is different, but uh, it, the more you can let a, a younger player sit, a, a quarterback I'm talking about, the more you're able to – you still got to be able to win, you know, whatever you're doing, but uh, the more you can let him sit, and it may not be a whole season. It may be four or five games or whatever it is. I think the better it is. I mean, Mahomes set for a year. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Rogers set for what two years or three years. I mean, so uh, you can still you can still develop a great quarterback that has a lot of talent by not throwing him out there uh, to the wolves, so to speak, um, where he's not red, quite ready. Uh, but if they're ready, you know, you got to get them out there. That's 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 the key thing. Um, but preseason, I wouldn't put too much on a preseason game either when they're playing against all the backups as to how good they are. You know, it's uh, <laughs> once they put those vet, once they put the Aaron Donalds and people like that out there against them, you will see how they play. Oh, so coach, all the hype that we're hearing all last week with all those guys, you just started laughing, I would imagine, and going, oh, yeah. dude, they're playing against people that'll be working at Tampa International Airport next week. <laughs> <laughs> well, some of them, yeah, some of them will or hope to be. <laughs> Coach, what's the biggest, what's the biggest transition in your in your experience that you've had with young quarterbacks that they'll face 
versus going from the college game into the pro game. I mean, the windows are smaller. And boy, I'll tell you, I, I, I make this comparison all the time, Coach. It's like learning French for four years. And all of a sudden, when I get a Wade Phillips playbook, it's like learning Chinese. I, 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 get, the, I get the playbook. I'm like, what the hell does he mean by a shade three? What is this? Yeah. Zero? What, 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 what am I? What's the biggest transition for a quarterback, though, to play in this league? Yeah, it's even more so with a quarterback. I mean, defenses, there's a lot of defenses, but there's a lot more offensive plays. You know, that you've seen all the sheets that they have, you know, for just for the game itself. Those aren't practice. They got more plays than that that they practice or try to practice. Um, they put a lot on a quarterback. Uh, different systems do different things, certainly, but, you know, it, it takes a it takes a while to be a Tom Brady or or a Peyton Manning. I mean, you know, to, to be able to auto the plays, they want to uh, do those things. So depends on how much you ask them to do. But uh, but you need to do a lot. Need to be able to do some of those things, and that and that's a lot more than they were asked to do in college. Coach, I had Dave Campo on last week, and Dave coached me. He's one of my coaches at Miami when Jimmy was there, and I asked him what he enjoyed most being a position coach or being an NFL head coach. And he said, being an NFL position coach was the funner. Was it the same paycheck, but it was a lot funner. And I'm going to ask you that. Cause I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you another question following up. What did you enjoy more? Uh, well, I think I was best at being a defensive coordinator. So <laughs> I probably enjoyed that more, but uh, you know, it, I coach defense, which I'm overall the kind of the head coach of the defense, and then the head coach of the team is 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 still quite a bit different. Uh, so, uh, but uh, making the decision, making decisions is what you know what you like to do as a coach to be able to make uh, decisions on a lot of things. Coach, this is why I asked the question because when you're a head coach, it's different situations. You know, I, it seems to me a lot of guys nowadays, they're not getting an opportunity to pick their coaching staffs that it's coming from the GMs and or it's coming from the owners. And, you know, guys that were back in the day, like your dad or Jimmy Johnson or Joe Gibbs, these guys pick Joe Bugle or Jimmy would pick Dave Wanstatt. It just seems there's more. I don't want to use the word interference. I, I just wonder, because when you're a head coach, sometimes you don't really get to pick your assistant coaches. You may have say, and I was trying to explain it to people earlier, like you'll get, a, you'll get a sheet from the owner or GM, and there's 10 guys on there that you get a chance to pick your wide receiver coach from. And there's the guys that you pick from because these guys are in line with the personnel department and all this other stuff. I mean, did you always find that to be a little bit in the way, especially as we got towards today? I mean, a lot of these coaches don't pick their own coaching staffs, coach. That's got to be a troubling thing when you're talking about, you know, when, who you're going to blame on why a team's not getting better. Yeah, and, and you know, one of the key in, in business or football or whatever, one of the key things is loyalty. You know, so you, you want people – you want to be able to pick people to be loyal to you. And, uh, you know, somebody else is picking everybody. That, that It isn't as cohesive as you'd like it sometimes, but, uh, but they have their own reasons for doing them. And, you know, and like you say, first time, especially first time head coaches, uh, they don't know that they just, they're happy to get the job, you know, but then they realize, Hey, 
my staff's got to be, you know, something that is going to move us forward. So, um, and then you have to be able to change, change coaches if they, if it's not working out. Did you ever get pressure? I know Tony Dungy got pressure when, you know, people came to him and wanted him to fire Clyde Christensen or Mike Munchak when he was in Tennessee. Is, is that pressure always there at the end of the year when somebody comes to you and says, maybe we need to make a change at this position? That's got to be tough on a coach because, again, this happened to Doug Peterson. They, you know, allegedly there's a conversation that happened that, you know, they wanted Doug to make a change at a wide receiving position. He didn't want to do it. And that became the unraveling of what happened there in Philly. Sure. That uh, it depends on your owner, obviously, you know, some owners are really involved. Uh, obviously Jerry Jones was the general manager, so that's, he's even more involved, but, but he, uh, different ownerships are different. I mean, Pat Bowlin never said anything to me about coaches, you know, uh, Ralph Wilson, uh, he wanted his certain, certain coaches he wanted there. Uh, other, you know, other owners are, di- all of them are different. So it just depends on how much they, how much they, uh, influence or let the let the general manager, you know, get into it. Uh, so I, I always wanted to be, you know, I always wanted to have the same power as the general manager. You don't have that at at, at uh, Dallas for sure, but but uh, at Buffalo, when I was at Buffalo, I wanted to have the same say so uh, as the general manager, and I think that's a key for for any head coach. Wait, I got to ask you the question. Do you do you think your pop could coach today? <laughs> he's, he's going to be a good coach no matter what because uh he, he just had a knack for for being able to get players and coaches to to do their best and i, I think that's a that's a, a great trait to have and, and he certainly had that well maybe i should maybe i should phrase it differently i, I like to see bum and jerry in the same room <laughs> <laughs> well yeah there's uh that's that would be interesting yeah <laughs> but he but you know my dad was going to have a cowboy hat and cowboy boots on all the time so he was going to be himself you know on the Absolutely. side in the game or or uh, on his ranch so that, that that was a great thing about him absolutely man you, you you coached i think one of my favorite guys doug smith that dude was a horse I mean, Doug Smith, man, from Auburn. Holy cow almighty. What a gigantic dude. And by the way, those Oiler uniforms, I don't care what anybody says. They're some of my favorite uniforms of all time in NFL history. Wait, that yeah, place we, rocked. Yeah, we, yeah, but, you know, I was at, uh, we played Pittsburgh obviously twice for the, for the championship to go to the Super Bowl, AFC championship. And I'm looking over on one side of the field and they got these black, uh, dark uniforms, and we're over there in that powder blue stuff. <laughs> Whoa, wait a minute! But it, it's what's underneath the uniform that makes the difference, certainly. Hey, I, I, I love you, blue, but the terrible towels. You were kind of more of a fan of the terrible yeah. towels. Yeah, that was that seemed more intimidating. Just <laughs> hey, wait, I really appreciate catching up with you, my friend. It's going to be a great NFL season. Twenty twenty one is going to be awesome. I really appreciate you doing this. Thank you, my friend. You bet. Looking forward to it. You got it. That is Wade Phillips, Super Bowl champion coach, former head coach, Bills, Broncos, and Dallas Cowboys, and a hell of a defensive coordinator. We'll take a time out. You keep it here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. 
the dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Welcome back to the National Football Show. Your boy, Dan Cilio. Hope all are having a spectacular day here. Appreciate Wade Phillips for checking in with us there. Um, let me get into this here. I, I, I got a great text message from Bruce Arians. I'm trying to get Bruce back on the program before we have the kickoff on a Thursday night between the Cowboys and the Buccaneers live at Raymond James. And he was on the program couple months ago, and you can go back and listen to that interview. You can go over to the Jacob Media channel and listen to that Bruce Arians uh, interview that we did with him. And I asked him what's going on with Brady and how the team looks this year compared to last year. He goes, obviously, dude, we look so much better. And I'm like, how much better? He goes, it, it's, we're, we're, we're better. 
the number one thing right now in Tampa, what they're doing is, okay, the number one thing they're doing, they're tempering expectations. Look at who you have in the room to temper those expectations. Now, when you're somebody like Brady, you're always fighting people doing this. Brady's he's 44 years of age, okay? He's 44. This guy can't do it again. So he always has that log to throw on the fire. But now you're hearing this. Bucks are the team to beat. Bucks have everyone back. All the coordinators, head coach, everyone. People took pay cuts to come back and play and try to see if they can roll this up again and do it again. And you're hearing this out of that camp. That team did. They've got such the perfect mentality. The problem that the Buccaneers are going to have, they are the favorites. By the way, I might as well say it now. I have Kansas City and the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl once again. I think we're going to see that again. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to get his shot again at the GOAT. Patrick Mahomes will have another opportunity. I don't believe that the Chiefs are as good as the Buccaneers, but I think they have the better quarterback. And how about this? You know, it's funny. I heard Jimmy Johnson talking about if you had to pick a guy to start your football team right now with, who would it be? Obviously, Patrick Mahomes. That's the quarterback you want. He's the best pro- – Jimmy Johnson says he's the best prospect quarterback he's ever seen. But he also tempers it by saying, well, the guy with the best resume, though, is still the guy in Tampa. The guy in Tampa, to me, what makes that guy tick, he is the greatest 1-0 athlete I've ever seen. Brady blocks everything out. His fan, This comes with sacrifice. He blocks his family out. He blocks his friends out. Now, has he become more open and this new Tom Brady here? You know, I, I said this a couple weeks ago. I almost hate that he played in New England because the Tom Brady that we see today is a really cool Tom Brady. And Brady probably would have had a lot more fans if this Tom Brady was on display for 21 years instead of the Tom Brady we saw in New England, right? But who knows if Tom Brady would have the resume if he wasn't that Tom Brady in New England. You know, it, it's all Monday morning quarterbacking. You really don't know. But there's, there's no question that this has followed Brady from Michigan to New England and now to a situation where he may have an opportunity to go back-to-back in Super Bowls with another team. Think about what he's on the cusp of trying to do. Not only is it insane that he went from one team to another team and was the catalyst. Let's face it, Peyton Manning was not the catalyst on that Bronco championship team. That's why Von Miller was a Super Bowl MVP in that game. You know, he, he was okay in that game. He wasn't a focal point. And I'll say this to Brady wasn't all that spectacular in that game, but he knew how to manage that game, didn't he? That's why he was the MVP of the Super Bowl. Should have been maybe Leonard Fournette, maybe one of the guys on defense. Okay, you could have went there. Sure. But I can tell you that those guys on that Buccaneer team don't care. They just care that they have that beautiful ring on their finger now. But Brady's that greatest 1-0 guy. He doesn't care what he did in the past. He only cares what he's going to do tomorrow.
Can you imagine if he goes down to Miami, or excuse me, goes down to Tampa and wins two back-to-back world championships? Um, he did it in New England, and he'll do it in Tampa maybe? What could stop the Bucs? You know, I'm not going to give you the old cliche, well, the Bucs could be stopped only by themselves. Uh, the Buccaneers will be stopped because of injuries. Some key component, Brady being hurt. Brady was hurt last year. But what, what Arians is saying is, is that you're having more of this taking place this year than you did a year ago. Because nobody knew because of the uncertainty of the coronavirus and COVID-19. But you're, you're hearing this and you're seeing this. D-line guys are all accountable. Linebacker guys are all accountable. Cornerbacks, coaches, offensive line, wide receivers, quarterback schools, all the quarterbacks in one room talking about how they can win. Everybody knows that there's something special on the horizon where this football team could potentially win another Super Bowl. So what you have is drive is what I'm talking about here. And that's a culture also that Bruce, look look at how important the quarterback position is for Bruce Arians. You know, when Bruce was a quarterback coach in Pittsburgh and he was dealing with Ben Roethlisberger, they won a couple Super Bowls up there with him as coordinator. Look at what he did when he had a great quarterback in Indianapolis. This guy was the interim coach taking over for Chuck Pagano. No guy has ever done that before. Taking over for a coach who was sick with cancer. He ends up taking over, gets coach of the year. He gets the Cardinal job. Does a phenomenal job there. I thought he won a lot of football games and did a hell of a job with that Cardinal team. Remember something. We're talking about Carson Palmer here. Okay? We're talking about Carson Palmer. Now he's got Tom Brady. Bruce Arians wins another Super Bowl. I don't know. Jimmy Johnson won two. He's in. Tom Flores won two. He's in. Do you start making the conversation that Brady is the reason that Bill Belichick is who Bill Belichick is? Because if he makes another Hall of Fame coach, Bruce Arians prior to last year was not going to be considered a Hall of Fame coach. No disrespect. I think, and by the way, you know I'm friends with Bruce. I love the guy. But he was not trending towards being a Hall of Fame guy. If Brady, within two years of him playing in Tampa, elevates Bruce into being a guy where two Super Bowls, 44-year-old guy, his coaching staff on everybody's going to do this. You know they're going to give him kudos for doing this. Look at the diversity he also had inside of his coaching staff. Here's a guy that really is like the gold standard of how you want to build your coaching staff. And you know everybody on Park Avenue in New York is going like this. Man, if we can have everybody giving equal opportunity to everyone to be a coach in this league, that's exactly what we want it to look like. What's going on in Tampa? Who would have ever thought three years ago when nobody wanted to play with Jameis Winston and nobody wanted to go to Tampa. Tampa hadn't been to the playoffs in 11 years. All of a sudden, now it's a destination. You're maturing a kid, Kyle Trask, that Brady's coaching himself. That's another thing Arian said. He goes, Dan, you should see what Brady's doing with this kid, Kyle Trask. He really loves this guy, Trask, from Florida. I actually thought Kyle Trask was a heck of a football player when he was at Florida. 
And I thought him going in the second round, I thought the Buccaneers got a steal with this kid. You know, it would not shock me. You know, one of those quarterbacks that was taken in the first round this past draft, it wouldn't shock me if Trask is one of the top three guys from this current quarterback class where you went like this. And well, if we had to do that all over, remember Derrick Henry was not a first round draft choice. <laughs> you look, hey, my, my wife always brings that up. She's like, how did that guy not go in the first round? I'm like, I, I don't know. I think it had something to do with Trent Richardson. And everyone was like, you know, Trent Richardson was really great at Alabama. But uh, he got to the pros and he was a flop. I got that. But I don't think so here. So everything in Tampa right now is they're getting ready for the year. It's all about getting ready for the upcoming regular season. And by the way, you know what's crazy about it? Brady's going to play again this weekend. It's crazy. He's going to play again, and he's going to go out there, and he's going to want to be with his guys because that's how Tom Brady is. And then you're hearing places like Nick Sirianni where you're not going to play Jalen Hurts all that much. And you're like, Jesus, guy, really? So Brady needs reps, but not him? I guess it's just a different way of how you look at it. All right. Want to thank my boy Krause? Want to thank Big Joe? Also, don't forget, if you missed any of the program, we had Wade Phillips on today. Please go over to the Jacob Media channel. Click it, like it, share it, watch it anytime you want. National Media, national, uh, the National Football Show. Also, make sure you do that. We really appreciate it. Four to six tomorrow. Till then, we'll see you on the flip side.